So we got a little pull-behind trailer. They let me borrow the Suburban. I loaded up a pull-behind trailer, drove down the first day of practice with the trailer behind me, uh, coached practice, and then went and found a place to live. I'm not a huge tech guy, but I know this, the kids are. So if you want to reach the kids, you got to get on what they're getting on. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. As you gear up for episode 27 with Ryan Canan, take a moment and head down into the show notes. Click the link to join the High School Coaches Club. You'll get the newsletter to your inbox each and every Wednesday, and you'll be part of this awesome nationwide network of humans helping humans. If you want to leave a rating, maybe even a review, you'd be making my day. Feeling extra nice? Share the show on social media. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you for tuning in, and I thank you for helping grow the club. And a huge thank you to Netting Pros for sponsoring yet another edition of the High School Coaches Club. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. They specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for baseball, softball, football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and a whole lot more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, and dugout cubbies. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreational, high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, courses, and stadiums throughout this country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking Netting Pros out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Big thanks to Will and the gang over at Netting Pros for powering up yet another episode of the High School Coaches Club, this time with Ryan Canan, the head baseball coach at the brand new Davenport High School in San Antonio, Texas. Davenport finished construction, opened in the fall of 2020, and is now in its first spring of existence. Coach Canan and the Wolves are playing a varsity baseball schedule, and honestly, they're winning a lot of games. On paper, that should be surprising, but once you get to hear Ryan speak and see everything he tweets, the winning actually isn't surprising at all. Let's get into it. It's episode 27 with Coach Ryan Canan. All right, I'm joined here by Ryan Canan. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Max. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad to have you on. We, I just saw you on Twitter uh, you know, a while back, which seems to be where I'm meeting everybody, and uh this brand new school in Texas, and they've got a baseball program. They're playing a varsity schedule, and reached out, and I, I just I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, it's a brand new high school. Like you said, we don't we don't have a single senior on campus, so definitely a unique experience for me and for the boys. I saw that your dad coached high school baseball and coached you obviously way back when as well. And then uh, at the time of recording this, maybe it was a week or two ago, uh, you guys got to play each other. What was that like? Uh, it was it was a pretty awesome experience. I was very fortunate. I got a, I did get to play for my dad, uh, my freshman through junior year in high school. So that was obviously something I'll never forget. And uh, for the last, you know, my entire career, actually, I was up in the Dallas area. He was in Austin. So I never thought it was going to be a possibility. And then he retired, actually, a few years ago. I want to say seven years ago from Lake Travis High School. And uh, he started coaching. Basically, it's a homeschool team. Uh, it's a second chance team for kids who either get cut from the high school team or, you know, are at a big school, they're not getting to play as much as they want. And uh, so we were able to schedule a game now that we're down here in the Austin area. And uh, it was just, it was a really unique experience. You know, obviously a man I looked up to and have modeled my career after uh, to be able to play against him was, was pretty awesome. And uh, obviously to get the win was even better, <laughs> you know, a little bit of bragging rights around the house. So it was a really <laughs> yeah, unique experience. Yeah, it's awesome. And you had mentioned to me before off air um, that when you were playing for him, you you know, you just saw some of the ins and outs of high school baseball and some of the ugly sides of it, too. And you'd said that you didn't plan on coaching. And yet here you are in something like year 16. So how'd you how'd you end up coaching after originally thinking it's not something you wanted to do? Yeah, so uh, between my junior and senior year, my dad got transferred by the school district to a different school. Uh, even though we had won the district championship and were very successful at that school and just kind of left a bitter taste in my mouth about the process, um, you know, political side of it, I guess, if you want to say. So I, I grew up thinking, oh, I'll coach my own children, but I have no desire to go into that profession. 
Um, so went into the business world, did that for um, two years. And my boss actually was a high school baseball umpire. And he reached out and said, hey, you know, do you, you want to make some extra money on the side? I was like, sure, obviously. You know, I'm still a young guy. And, um, and so I started umpiring baseball. And, I mean, Max, almost immediately as soon as I got back behind there and started umpiring, I was like, man, I really, really miss the game. And I miss young people. And uh, so I, I did umpiring for that year and finished out. And then I went and got my alternative uh, teaching certificate. And was very fortunate uh, enough to, to get a job uh, that summer. Uh, back when I was applying, you know, teaching jobs were really hard to come by. So I actually got hired, I want to say, a week before the football season started, which is pretty late in Texas. Uh, they generally try to hire, you know, in um, June, early July. And I got hired, goodness, probably the very end of July. So uh, last minute thing, but I was very fortunate in the place I started out. And I mean, from the minute I started uh, coaching, I'm like, Okay, this is what I was supposed to do. Um, I'm glad I did the business world first um, because it definitely showed me that yeah, I could do this, but I I didn't have a passion for it, and uh, I immediately knew when I started coaching, this is what I'm supposed to be doing uh, for the rest of my life for sure. That's funny. So when I got out of college, same thing. I uh, as far as teaching goes, like it was uh, during a time here in Oregon where. Uh, really hard to find a teaching job. There's kind of a bubble that had just burst and they it, it, there just weren't a lot of jobs to be had. And so I went and uh, I sold furniture for a while and it taught me very quickly how little passion I had for selling things. <laughs> and then uh, when I was finally able to, to start teaching and coaching again, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is absolutely, this is where I need to be. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. So you're, you're in your first few years coaching uh, football. Well, and you were a baseball coach too. You got you got a state you got a state title, which some people go their whole careers and never get one. Right, right. No, I was very lucky. So I started a place called. Well, my first job was actually at Euless Junior High, which in Texas mm-hmm. uh, is only the second. There's only two junior highs in the whole state that I'm aware of, uh, which was seven through nine. So that's where I started, but it fed Euless Trinity High School. So we did freshman football there, um, which also obviously meant you're at the high school staff. So for three years, I did I did the, the football side there, and then I was a varsity baseball assistant coach at the high school. But yes, uh, U.S. Trinity football is nationally known. They're really big. Um, you know, they do the haka, which a lot of people know them for. Uh, the Tongan culture is really big there. So yeah, my my second year, we won the state championship, uh, which was funny because my dad at the time had been coaching for goodness thirty three years, and had never won one in football. He won a baseball state championship as head coach, and that year at Lake Travis, he won the state championship. Now they went on to win five in a row there after that, but he told me, you know, son, it's, it's really not this easy to win one. I'm thinking, Oh, Hey, you know, second year, this is, this is great. You know, uh, unfortunately I haven't been back since. Um, I really think the school I'm at has a good chance to do it though. We, we have some really talented athletes and, and a really great uh, guy leading us, uh, the head football coach here, coach Zimmer Hansel. So hoping to get back, but yeah, it was really unique. Uh, I was able to get that state championship medal my second year. And, um, I uh, learned a lot. Coach Steve Lineweaver was head coach at Ulysses uh, Trinity, and I will say uh, probably the most influential coach I've worked for in terms of teaching me about being a man uh, and teaching me about how to lead young people. Um, he was a great football coach. Don't get me wrong. I think he won six or seven state championships in a few different places, but the life lessons that he instilled on the coaching staff and the kids is something that I was so fortunate enough to start under a man like that for sure. Is there anything specific from him that you learned that you've kind of taken with you along your coaching career? Oh, sure. So, I mean, so here's something I've I've never seen another coach do. Um, You know, we have our football meetings probably like everybody else does where we sit down and go over offense, defense, special teams. He didn't do that. He let the coaches do that. And then he had life lessons for coaches like 401k, um, how to make sure you're a good dad, how to spend your time properly. Um, so he, every, for every day he would spend an hour going over how to be a better human being had nothing to do with football. And, um, I really tried to instill that with, with young coaches I've worked with, uh, to try to help them understand, yes, coaching's awesome. And we all spend a ton of time in it and pour our heart and soul into it. But ultimately it's about the people at home, um, that are really going to either help you or hurt you along the way. Um, I have a, obviously a great wife, supportive family and, uh, as as I'm sure all of us that have it can't do without him, but the things that he taught me about understanding how to separate, you know, family from job and and involve them in what we're doing, 
and my dad obviously taught me that when I was younger, but as an adult, actually doing it as a coach, uh, having a guy like that at the beginning of my career really helped me. And I try to pass those lessons along, especially the younger guys I work with. Well, yeah, you're, you're married. You've got four kids, including a nine month old, right? So, uh, obviously family's got to be a huge part of what you do. And then, you know, like we all do as coaches, it's really easy to, uh, to let coaching take over too many parts of your life. What have you done? Like, what are you, how do you manage to be a good dad and husband? And then also obviously pour a lot of time and energy into your players. Sure. I mean, I, I'm just like most coaches, I do my best, but there's sometimes where I fail miserably at it. But, um, I try to involve my kids and my family as much as possible. Uh, my wife always brings the kids up to the field, even if it's just for five or 10 minutes to see them. But, uh, we started doing team dinners now that the tournaments are over. So team dinners are, you know, for the kids, but my family comes with me. Um, so they come with us to that. You know, we do team outings where we go bowling or laser tag or whatever. My kids are always with me there. Um, and I try to do the best I can. You know, Chuck Box is a guy that I, I respect immensely, and he's talked about this a lot. And I fail on it all the time, but I try to do my best where when I get home and the kids are up, let me put down my device. Let me spend some time with them. And then when they go to sleep, then I can get back on there and do it. Now, obviously, I fail at that, but I try to do that as much as possible. Uh, I'm trying to do that a lot more now. Um, you know, our my schedule at this school is a lot different than the schedule I was previously. Um, I was at a big 6A high school before, so we had, uh, you know, a, a very large baseball-only population. So um, I would be – we'd start practice at like 2.30. So I'd be home way before the kids went to sleep. Uh, where the school I'm at now is a little different just because we're a smaller school and we start later. So we actually don't even start baseball practice till five o'clock. So I'm generally getting home right before they go to bed. So it's been a little bit of an adjustment. So I'm trying to do a better job of, you know, on the weekends when I have time to spend time, but uh, work in progress for sure. <laughs> I bet. Uh, yeah, the, the late practices is tough. We're kind of going through a similar thing here in, in Oregon because of COVID and online stuff and, and transitioning to in-person stuff. And normally we're able to start practice at like 2.50, 3 o'clock. And now this year it's like more 4, maybe even later sometimes. So kind of dealing with the same internal thought process of like, okay, I got to find other, other times because the nighttime might not be as available as it used to be. Absolutely. I mean, I get to take my daughter to school in the morning. And so that's nice. I take the kids and drop them off, but you know, not the quality time that I, I, I wish I had more of. So yeah, definitely trying to be creative with what, with what we do. I mean, like yesterday <laughs> uh, we had a double header and um, you know, I think I actually posted them on Twitter today. Like we, we didn't play very well yesterday, which, you know, it happens with a young ball club and I'm a little bit down and uh, I, I get to drag out and all three of my kids come out and they want to ride the drag. And, you know, they don't ask me about the score or, what, they just want to spend time with dad and it you know obviously as a dad it makes you smile but it also brings you back to hey listen we're just playing a game you know the kids don't care if we won or lost my children they they just want to be with dad so you know being a coaching kid myself my favorite memories are spending time with my dad at the ball field so very fortunate that that my wife brings them up there and they get to spend time with me there and, and you know they get to share the passion that I have for the game and hopefully they understand that yeah, dad's up here, but he's doing it because he loves what he does and he loves us, you know, just as much uh, when he gets home. So, yeah, well, you mentioned that you you obviously played for your dad. Is that something that you envision the future? Maybe if, if any of your kids end up wanting to play, I know you've got some a couple of if, if they end up wanting to play baseball, is that something that you'd you'd want to coach them or and I some coaches try to step away or maybe coach at a different school. There's a lot of different you know thought process on it. One thousand percent will coach my kids if they decide they want to play sports. That's awesome. Um, I will say, and, and again, I've worked and played and been around coaches that like both. It was the best experience of my life. Uh, my father, uh, he's my dad, obviously, but a great man, great coach. But he did not, I felt like it actually made me grow up more playing for him because I knew he had to be a little bit harder on me than he was everybody else. Um, I, knew, I knew that coming in. You know, we sat down and had that conversation before I ever played with him. Son, listen. I love you, but when you step between the lines, you're just a, you're a player. And because you have my same last name, I'm going to have to treat you a little differently uh, than I do others. And, and it pushed me and it made me make sure I showed up every day to give my maximum effort, because even if I was a really good player, people were always going to question why I was on the field. Um, and, and I think it built a special bond. I'm a big believer of if I work at a school, 
my kids need to go to the school I work at because it's real hard for me to sell to parents and kids like, hey, there's no place else I'd rather be. And then my kids don't go to that school. So, <laughs> yeah, um, and there's no knock. And I totally understand the other side of it where playing for your dad is hard. Now, there was times where I'd come home and I'm like, man, this you know, it's rough. But uh, my dad did a great job of if it was a tough day or he did get on me, the first thing he'd do is come and put his arm around me, tell me he loved me, explain to me why it happened or, or what happened. And uh, I always respected him more for that than anything else. Now, mom didn't always understand it, <laughs> but um, but I did. And, and yeah, I have 1,000% hope. And even if they don't play sports, they're going to go to the school I go to because that's time I get to spend with them. And I get to take them to school and see them at lunch and, and all the other things you could do outside of sports for sure. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to see what what turns out. We'll we'll check back in here in about 13 years or so and see how that uh, see yeah. how it's all going. <laughs> uh, so obviously you're at Davenport now. So uh, we're at a brand new school, literally brand new. Like this is year one. Um, can you give us the rundown on like what is Davenport High School? Where is it? How big is it? How did it come about? How did you end up there? All that sure. stuff. Sure. Yeah. So okay. So Davenport High School, like you said, we opened in August. Um, we are located, technically we are in San Antonio, Texas, but in reality, we're in the New Braunfels area. So we're in a district called the Comal ISD school district, um, and which is exploding. I think we're like the number one or number two fastest growing, uh, county in the United States. So, um, we are the fourth high school, uh, in the district and they're actually opening another high school next year in our district. So two high schools in two Jeez. years, that's how fast it's going. Um, <laughs> And we so Canyon High School was a high school that we split. Uh, it was a six A high school uh, here, and uh, we basically split the you know their zone attendance zone in half. So we are competing at a four A level here in Texas. We have one through six A, um, and they did that on projected growth. So we basically have freshmen and sophomores on campus. They did it open up to juniors, but uh, we have around six hundred kids on campus at the moment, and I want to say less than a hundred of those are juniors. So mostly freshmen and sophomores. Um, and every sport except for football and volleyball are playing varsity. So football actually is going to play, play JV this year and we'll play JV next year. Although, uh, coach Zimmer Hansel has already scheduled, uh, all varsity teams for us to play, I think two and three A's. So, um, and then volleyball did JV this year, but they'll go into varsity, but everybody else knew varsity right out the gate. Uh, so pretty unique experience. You know, we're playing teams that have, you know, 18 year old men and I have, you know, 14 year old boys, <laughs> you know, competing <laughs> yeah. against them. Um, but yeah, they so they projected our growth to be a four A. Actual number wise, we're we're probably like a two A, maybe a small three A in terms of kids on campus. So we're playing up with our kids, and we're playing up in numbers, uh, which is different. Um, but basically, you know, I'd spent nine years at MacArthur. Uh, loved MacArthur High School. Uh, loved the kids there. Loved what we we had done there. And my wife and I just had a discussion, you know, uh, about if we want to move, this is probably the time to do it. Um, wasn't necessarily looking to leave the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex, love it up there. Um, but you know, the job came open and, you know, I'm a big believer, uh, with a man upstairs and, uh, just said, Hey, let's, let's apply for this job. And if it works out, then this is where we're supposed to go. And if it doesn't, then, Hey, we love where we're at. Uh, and just got very, very fortunate enough that, um, Matthew Deloach, our principal and, and uh, JD Zimmer Hans, our athletic, uh, director and coordinator, uh, believed in me enough to, to give me the opportunity. Uh, kind of just like my first job, I got hired extremely late. So I got hired two days before football started. We had nowhere to live. We had, you know, uh, my wife had her job full time. So it was a crazy time. I, I My in-laws happened to be down visiting um, from Oklahoma. They had a Suburban. So we got a little pull-behind trailer. They let me borrow the Suburban. I loaded up a pull-behind trailer, drove down the first day of practice with the trailer behind me, uh, coached practice, and then went and found a place to live. So while my family stayed back for two weeks to uh, to finish up, and then we ran back up, you know, loaded up the biggest U-Haul we could find, and came down and uh, and and got after it. So that was a, that was a whirlwind of a time for us, uh, but really just a God thing there. Um, and I'm going to tell you. From the first day that I started here, I have never been at a place that is special like Davenport is from the leadership side, um, from the from the principal and head football coach side, all the way down. Uh, it's a small campus. So that being said, uh, it's a family. It really is. Everybody pulls a lot of weight. So teachers are asked to do, you know, most teachers, I, I teach an elective, so I'm very fortunate. I, 
I teach, you know, five classes, five preps, but it's an elective. A lot of our coaches, I, I think I'm the only teacher that teaches an elective, teach core subjects, and they're doing three or four preps just because we don't have the staff yet because we're not a full four-year school. So the amount of work that these these people are doing in the classroom on top of coaching is unbelievable. But they all you never hear a complaint. They're here for the kids. Um, I love it. I absolutely love this place. You know, sometimes you take a leap of faith and you – you wonder why, and taking a step back now, I mean, God definitely knows what he's doing because uh, I plan fully plan on retiring from this place, however long I'm able to stick around. Um, the kids are unbelievable here. They, they are coachable. They are yes sir, no sir. Um, and I'm talking about the entire building, not just, not just athletics. So Davenport is an unbelievable place. Uh, I could not, I mean, if you ever get a chance to come down, I'd love to show you around, but, it, and, New Brunswick is a really cool area. Uh, you know, a lot of people from Texas come here. Float the river is a big deal that happens, but there's tons of outdoor stuff. Now, obviously, with the pandemic going on, some of that's not happening, but uh, it's just a really unique place. And, um, you know, being a small school, like you said, all of our kids play multiple sports. I mean, we, we have one kid who literally plays tennis, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, and he's an FFA. Um, and he does all of them. So uh, really unique compared to where I'm coming from, where basically the kids were very specialized. And um, it just, it breeds a culture at the campus where I feel like everybody is on board. Um, our head football coach started a, you know, a mantra, a BTB, BTP, which is build the pack. And it has grabbed the hold and our middle school does it and our elementary schools do it. And uh, it's just a unique place, Max. I mean, I, I'm so blessed that I've had this opportunity to be down here for sure. I think you're living like every coach is like, I don't know if every one of us is ready to admit this, but it's kind of like a dream. I think a lot of us have is like, I can start at a brand new school and have, there's, there's no culture to fix. There's no, it's just a, a clean slate. And that's also really scary too. Cause we could, you could quickly run it into the ground if you're not being really careful right. about what you're doing. But uh, just this, that dream of like, I can start from absolute scratch and kind of build this into whatever whatever vision I want it to become. And so you're there with, it sounds like a lot of other teachers and coaches who are obviously living out that same kind of dream. And so I'm just like listening to you. I'm just, I'm really jacked. I'm like excited for you. Like it's awesome to see from far away. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I 1000% I agree with you. It's always been my dream to open a high school for the specific reasons you just said. I mean, even everything from uniforms, right? Like you don't have to yeah. try to change the logo. You don't have to try to uh, get rid of an old saying that's plastered all over the campus and um, <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. And yes, the culture thing was a huge factor in, in me wanting to open up new high school because you don't have to, you get to create it from the ground up. And um, now again, everyone plays, like I said, a lot of, like for instance, on my, I had an off season baseball program. I had five kids in it uh, out of the five kids, only two tried out because the other three just were kind of out there. So, you know, they all played football. But the football culture that Coach Zimmer Hansel is installed was right in line with what I would wanted to do anyway. So it made it a very easy transition. Um, you know, we have core principles like everybody else. We do, you know, we use Ackerman. We, we call it C-Dirt, which is, you know, commitment, discipline, integrity, respect, and teamwork. Uh, but it falls right in line with what the entire school does. So uh, it, it's been scary at times just because – we don't know what we don't know sometimes, right? Uh, I've been coaching for a long time, but, uh, you know, you start a new place and every procedure is different, or how you order stuff or what you do. And uh, I will say that the biggest hurdle, believe it or not, was trying to figure out what I actually needed to start um, and then realizing, oops, I forgot to order uh, dig out tools for the bases or, oh, I didn't know I needed to order rakes because I thought maybe the rakes came with the field. Um, you know, it's like stuff like that that you wouldn't think about because, you know, when you start to, when you come in a place, they have all that stuff, right? So, uh, and you get your budget, you're like, man, that's a lot of money. And then you, all of a sudden you buy the rollaway screen and you buy the uniforms and then half your money is gone. And you're like, whoa. So uh, that was, that's been the biggest challenging part uh, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, from my perspective, because we didn't have an off season program, you know, they don't know me, I don't know them. So we literally going from the ground up on day one of baseball versus teams that were playing have seniors who've played for a coach for a few years. They already know butt coverages. They already know first and third. They already know signs. Uh, they know how the coach wants it run. So 
The coach doesn't have to watch every move and make sure they're doing it right. Um, so that's been a little scary. But the kids, again, I mean, they have – I've never been around a group that has buy, bought in as much as these kids have. I mean, from the base running stuff. I know I saw you yesterday uh, tweeted something out about, you know, uh, Matt's stuff uh, for base stealing, and I do the exact oh, same yeah. thing. And, I mean, we are – 100% bought in from day one of these kids. I think I've given two steal signs all year and we're, I think we're almost 20 games in and we've stole like almost 80 bases. I mean, so they've just bought into everything. We're doing offensive approach, um, everything, uh, which is awesome because this area, all these kids play select ball year round, all of them. So um, for them to completely trust in me and what I'm doing uh, and starting out has been, has been so refreshing um, to do that. And, uh, you know, like you said, going back to the original question, I'm not having to break habits of the previous coach or seniors that are like, man, I don't know this guy. I'm just going to finish out my year. So uh, that part's been really exciting. Um, uh, my wife actually made a comment yesterday, like, hey, you're a lot calmer this year than you have been in the past. And and I, I guess I am because I'm teaching freshmen and sophomores that are still, <laughs> you know, we make one error and it turns into a, a bunch of errors because we're just not mentally where we need to be to, to get over that yet. Uh, they've come a long way, but so uh, it's been, it's been, it's been fun. I mean, definitely a dream. I would definitely say if you get the opportunity to do it, do it because it's awesome. It, it really is. And, and most coaches will never have even the opportunity to do this. Like it's most of us, it's, it's super rare nowadays for new high schools to be opening up uh, the, in your area, right? So to do it, you kind of have to, like you said, it's usually going to require a leap of faith. And you're mentioning going, getting hired a couple days before day one and getting a camping trailer and living in that for a little while until you find a place. Like it, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool to hear. For sure. Yeah, for sure. That, God, God definitely knows what he's doing. If, if you believe in the man upstairs, uh, he knows he has a plan for you, whether you understand it or not, for sure. So you uh, you become the new head baseball coach outside of driving down there and trying to find a place to live and just get used to everything. What was what was one of your earliest moves when you be, when you were it's like okay Ryan you're the new head baseball coach at this brand new high school. What's your first move like? What do you do then? Well, for me, I mean, uh, I think you you mentioned it, but I'm a big person about the brand and trying to get our brand out there and get people excited about the program. Um, again, the foundation was laid before I got here to do that, but you know, obviously you got to get to know your kids, right? So foot, like I said, all the kids played football, but, um, you know, I went out and started introducing people to the community, uh, try to get to, uh, to know the area as best I can. And then I immediately just went to work on social media. I'm not a huge, um, I guess tech guy, but I know this, the kids are. So if you want to reach the kids, you got to get on what they're getting on. And uh, I probably, honestly, in my own defense, I might post too much, but I do that because I want to get our kids out there. I want to get uh, exposure to them in our program. And um, that to me is what it's all about, is helping these kids go to wherever they want to go, whether that's to play college ball or to get exposure, you know, with their friends or whatever. So I really hit that side of it pretty hard. And then when the first day of school started, um, you know, I went ahead and set up a meeting, you know, of course, because we're in the, the COVID times uh, on Zoom um, uh -huh. to try to get to know those and get to know parents. And we had we had a, a baseball meeting pretty early on um, and I laid out my vision. And, and I, it's funny because I like to talk a lot like some coaches. I, I'm, I know that. But I started the meeting and said, this is the longest meeting we were ever going to have. But I literally went over every single part of my program and how I wanted it set up from how I'm going to be, what you can expect from me. That's what I did first. Uh, what you're going to see on the field, what I expect from the players, what I expect from the parents, what it's going to look like, the four-year plan, you know, the whole thing. I mean, I, it was it was probably an hour and a half meeting. Um, but I went over everything. I wanted to lay the foundation of this is what it's going to look like. And I want them to understand where we're going and, and then be on board. So I think that was huge. Um and the great thing about it was, you know, sometimes you set up these meetings and, you know, three people show up. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the place was full. I mean, it was a big auditorium, but every single kid and every parent was there, which just tells you about the excitement in the community for baseball. I mean, this is a baseball area that I'm in, Max, no doubt about it. Uh, these kids out here play baseball year round. It was a big, big baseball area. 
But to see them there and the amount of parent support that I've had so far has been unbelievable. I mean, they are I, I, something small as um, they make goodie bags for them for every game. They provide lunch for them or dinner for them after the game. Like I've never been in a place that, that's been like that. So uh, it's huge to have parents involved and parents pulling on the same rope uh, as you for sure. Well, a couple things in there, but I, I want to go to the social media part first uh, because it is, I mean, it's obviously how I found out about you guys. There's, I just started seeing these. I don't even know how they ended up on my feed. I don't know how Twitter's algorithms and all that stuff were. That's above me, but this just Davenport baseball. Uh, and so I click on it and they just, all these cool things getting shared on their Twitter account. And then, then there's you and you're sharing just a, an amazing amount of stuff for coaches. Um, and so that's kind of where I saw you and, and, and you're right. The Davenport baseball Twitter account is for anyone. I'll, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but it's really well done. And it, it does tie in the excitement. You can tell as you look at those tweets, like before, you know, on a game day, it's going to give you like, when is everybody playing and where are they playing and what are the records of the teams and, and pictures of kids and videos of kids and successes and things for growth. And um, I think you hit it on the head, like as much as coaches, maybe we, whether we do or don't want to be on social media, kids do, and they love it. And it's an amazing way to get them excited about something. And when you have a brand new baseball team and a brand new school, like that's Twitter can be an absolutely amazing tool for you. Absolutely. Um, you know, Coach Sheets, like all of us, right? Like he's kind of been like um, the guiding light for a lot of us. But I, I think it was, I want to say four or five years ago, where he talked about you know, um, putting yourself out there, like give back to the community, you know, hashtag grow the game, which Lord have mercy. Has he done a great job doing that or what? Yeah. But, um, and I, and I, I said, you know what, uh, and this, I made a conscious decision about four years ago. I have taken so much from other coaches that if I can put anything out there to help one, one person, then it's worth it. And I started doing that, uh, um, just on my personal account a while back. And things just like this with you, Max, I've met so many people through, uh, through that, that avenue. And then you go to the ABC National Convention, you get to shake their hands and meet them in person and, and learn about the game and everything else. Uh, and then that just kind of transferred over the program. When, um, and I guess, you know, Twitter and Instagram kind of started getting real popular about the time that I made that conscious decision to do it. And, you know, the first time I did it, kids were like, oh, coach, you know, what do I need to do to get on there? How can I get recognized? And I was like, okay, here it is. This is a golden ticket for, for a way to get kids to, uh, to come out here and get excited. You know, we do something that, um, like you said, we do a video, a weekly update. Um, and I cannot remember the, the gentleman's name that I stole that from. He's actually, he just got his first head football job. Roker, I want to say, Ryan Roker. Um, it, he did a, a weekly update. I said, man, that's a great idea. And then the kid's like, oh, coach. You know, I want to be on there. So what we do now at, at Davenport is um, I chart everything. Again, this goes back to something I heard at ABCA. Is it, uh, I want to say it was from Gillum or from Kai or from one of those, you know, guys uh, that said, hey, if you if it means something to you, then you need to chart it. And so we chart everything. I mean, I chart practices and ground balls, fly balls. We chart exit velo. We chart uh, pitching accuracy. And then at the end of the week, we post those charts up, and then the kids get to wear a shirt for the entire week that recognizes that they won that award for the week. And then they're on the video every week and um, the kids love it. Uh, the player of the week shirt, I think is kind of cool thing we do. It's a camouflage shirt, but on the back, it actually says, follow me because that's the person we want to be the example. And it very rarely is necessarily the best player I have. It's the kid who, you know, does stuff without asking. It's the kid who hustles. It's the kid who, um, you know, is making the good grades. It's a combination of things. It's not just, hey, who had the best week at the plate, right? Um, and then we have the Silver Slugger Award, which is the best hitter. We have Gold Glove Awards for the fielders and the pitching accuracy. We do a base runner deal and all that stuff. But the kids eat it up. They love it. And uh, I feel like since we started doing that, that it holds them more accountable in practice also, right? Um, especially the guy wearing the camouflage shirt because it actually puts – I feel like it actually puts a little more responsibility on the kid wearing the shirt like, hey – uh, I'm wearing this shirt this week. I better do. I better do what's expected, right? So it's kind of been a, a a good thing on both ends. They get the recognition, but I think it's helped us in practice because the kids uh, something as simple as a t-shirt, right, Max? The kids love to be recognized, 
And you come out to our practice and everybody looks the same except for the kids who won those awards and they're wearing a different color shirt. And so anybody that rolls out to our practice goes, hey, that kid did something special last week, right? So um, I think that's been huge from that side of it too. Well, you unlocked, you've, you found two unlocks for teenagers. And anybody listening, if you don't take anything else from this, at least take these two things. One, the, they love social media and being on social media and being featured. And two, they'll do just about anything for a free t-shirt. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that idea. The, because I think a lot of times we, we do, we get in this, this zone where we're rewarding performance and, and don't get me wrong. Like I, both of us agree, like performance, of course, like, <laughs> of course we want you to perform in the game, but we also, we also are trying to teach these kids so much more than that. And I think having a player of the, of the week shirt that isn't necessarily tied to on field performance and is more tied to, you know, upholding whatever the culture is, or you know, like you mentioned, you know, maybe they're picking things up or, or grabbing buckets, whatever it might be. I think it's helping instill the values that the program has and helping kids find a way to get those, get those things without m- maybe being tied to, Oh, I needed to hit two home runs this week to be able to get that shirt. Right. Absolutely. And, and the other thing is like, like for the hitter, the, the silver slugger, like we do the exit below thing. Sometimes it's the kid that had the biggest game, right? So uh, it, might, it might be a kid that had, the, had a six-mile-per-hour jump in his exit velo, and even though his exit velo is still way low, we're going to reward him because he made a huge colossal jump. So, again, I think that just reinforces, like, hey, every day I show up to practice, I have a chance to do something to show coach and show everybody where I'm at, right? Um, and then, obviously, the grade side. I mean, just like every coach. So my standard for my kids – is 80 or higher, and I don't care if it's an AP class or an IB class or any upper-level class, that's that's the expectation. And just like every coach I try to preach to him, you know, my job here is to get you to the next stage of your life. And if you make this grade point average, 80 or higher, there's very few places that you can't go for secondary education, regardless of baseball. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to coach long enough that I've had examples of both, right, and try to show the kids, hey, look, Here's a kid that plays – I have a kid that's playing in, in, a, in a minor league organization who should have been a Division One kid right out of school, but his grades weren't there. And so he had to go the JUCO route, which is nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong. I'm, matter of fact, I'm a big proponent of going that way to start with. But uh, when you give them examples of that, it just kind of brings to light like, hey, this is what matters. And, you know, you want to talk about getting parents to buy in with you. If you show them how serious you are about grades and that there's consequences if they don't make it, you got buyer from parents immediately because that's what it's about ultimately for them too. Yeah. Mom and dad will be on your side pretty quickly if you're doing something like that. That's for sure. Uh, the second thing you mentioned a little while ago was um, in that meeting where you're trying to kind of set the tone for the year and here's, here's what we're going to be all about. Let's say we're looking back at, at Davenport baseball, five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Uh, if everything kind of trends the direction that you you foresee it, that your vision has it, uh, what are people saying about Davenport baseball in the future? Well, I mean, let's. I, I plan on it happening that way, <laughs> but um, for sure, <laughs> uh, the first thing I'm going to hope is that that we it's a family, right? That uh, everyone there is going to help you out and support you from inside the field to in the stands to in that classroom. Um, that we're going to hold you to a higher standard. That when you play Davenport, you know, you better come with, you know, your shoelaces tight and, and your belt tight because we're going to give you everything we have. You know, we're going to play hard um, and we're going to play the game the right way, most importantly. You know, we might lose like, like we did last year, play very poorly. But, uh, you know, we're down, what, 19 to 3, I want to say. Uh, and the kids continue to fight and battle. And we ended up scoring four and got thrown out at home to, to end the game. And we still lost 19 to 7, but we fought and we battled. And there's not going to be a single game where you're going to show up and we're going to lay down and die. And uh, ultimately, that's, that's what we're trying to get to, is teach kids, like you, like you mentioned before, we're all going to get knocked down in life, but can we get up? Can we continue to battle? And that's the thing about um, these kids I have right now, they do that. So that would be my vision uh, for that side. For the parent side, um, you know, I, I want the parents to have complete buy-in. I, I want it to be a place where Every person who's in my program, whether it's in a uniform or in the stands, believes that they are part of what we are doing. Because ultimately, that's where you're going to get to that next level, in my opinion. I mean, between the lines is great, but you and I both know that that's only about 10% of what we're doing. 
Right? <laughs> at, um, at most. <laughs> right? So you got yeah. the practices, you've got the team outings, you've got, you know, that's the other thing about team outings. Uh, when we go do team outings, like go bowling, it's not just the team. It's open to everybody because this needs to be a family. And when people talk about us in the community, that's exactly what I wanted them to say. Hey, if you go to Davenport and your son plays baseball, you're going to feel like you're part of a family and they're going to do things the right way. Um, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of, you know, I have an open door policy, uh, literally. And I know a lot of coaches say that, but I have the 24 hour rule. But if you need to come talk to me, come talk to me. Now, I'm not going to talk to a parent without a kid present because I believe that that needs to be part of their growth as well. They need to be advocate for themselves. But I think that through the years, and this is something I learned from my dad, is you need to communicate to parents and be honest with them. And when people talk about Coach Canan now and in the future, I hope that's the number one thing they say. He's going to give it to you straight. It might not be what you want to hear, but he's going to tell you the truth. He's going to tell you how to get better. Uh, and he's going to tell you where you can go from that. Because ultimately, that's, that's what life's about, right? Um, it's not going to be like that in the real world. They're, they're, going to, they're not going to sugarcoat it for you when you have a job. So I want to be upfront and honest with them and always leave them with, here's what you need to improve. Uh, and here's how you can get better in whatever aspect it is, whether it be in the classroom or in the community or, or whatever else you do. Um, another thing that we haven't done yet here just because the pandemic, but we're going to get out of the community. And we're going to volunteer. We're going to go to the, you know, a homeless shelter and feed the homeless. We're going to go help out uh, special needs programs. We're going to do everything else that helps create a well-rounded young man. Uh, that's going to be successful when he gets out into the world. Because as a coach, the reason I got into this and probably the reason you got into it and probably every coach still listening to it got into it was so I could have a kid come back in 10 years and put his arm around me and tell me, hey, coach, I didn't maybe understand why you were doing it when you did it, but thank you so much for doing it. That's why I got into this business because I saw grown men come do that to my father, 50-year-old men come and give my dad a hug and tell him, coach, you made an impact on me that I, I didn't understand at the time, but I'm so forever grateful that you did that because yeah, I'm fortunate enough. I coached a guy that plays in the big leagues. It's, I mean, one of the best ball players in all of baseball. Right. Uh, and it's awesome to watch him on Friday night, but it's also awesome to know that he's about to have a baby. Right. And it's also awesome to have kids come back and reach out to me that even though I'm not in Dallas, they said, Hey coach, when can I come down and, and hang out with you at your new school? That's why we do this. And ultimately in 10 or 15 years, I hope I look up in the stands and I have alumni all over the place, watching my game and cheering my kids on. And that that Davenport brand is still carried on through them to their kids that I get a coach down the road. Uh, for for somebody who is in the very first year of their program, your your vision, is, like I can tell that you have really really put some thought into this, and that this isn't just off the cuff. Eh, I don't know, maybe this or that or that. Uh, so it, it just from the outside, it sounds like you have been very very intentional about what you want to do and achieve at Davenport. Right. And I feel like that's something I think that comes with a little bit of wisdom also, right? Like you said, 16 years in, uh, that comes from a, growing up with a man who sat down every night and meticulously laid out the practice plan for the day, for the week, for the year, um, all that stuff. Uh, and, I, and I've picked up right where that lays off. And again, going back to social media and going back to the people that we're talking about with, you know, Sheets and Chafin and Chuck Box and all these guys. You know, if you're a coach, get on social media, follow these people, reach out to them, and they will tell you everything you need to know. And it's been – that's the thing, I, Max, and I hate to keep going back to it, but that to me, social media is the best tool for coaches that has ever existed. Because I would have never known who Chuck Box was 20 years ago, most likely. Never have known. I went and watched him in Indianapolis, and my jaw was on the ground about the stuff that this guy in high school was doing. Right. It was unbelievable. I would have never known that without social media, most likely. Right. So if you're a young coach and you're looking for ways to do it, get on there, find people, reach out to people like Max, reach out to me, reach out to any coach. And the great thing about our baseball community, and I know I'm not saying anything that everybody doesn't know, is everybody is willing to help you out no matter if you're a, a 6U coach or you're a college coach. They will help you. They will make you a better coach. Find people you model yourself after. Right. TCU. Uh, I was up in that area for a long time. You could go to any TCU practice and go out in the dugout, and every one of those coaches will talk to you, you know, and give you the, and treat you like you're you're a peer. It's just unbelievable the community we have here. 
It is. It is really special. To, uh, and again, I, I know I've mentioned this before, and I, I don't want everybody to just think that I've got my head full about baseball. But uh, it, you're not the only one who's talked about this. Like the baseball community, especially on social media, is really strong. And the really nice thing is you can reach out to just about any of them and ask a question, and they might not have an answer for you, but they're going to give you the phone number of someone who does. Absolutely. Gonna, oh, this is the guy you need to talk to about that. And it's just, it's, it's a really powerful network of people. And like you mentioned, 15, 20 years ago, uh, if you had an issue or you were trying to work through something or needed help, you had to either go buy some DVDs and who knows if the, you know, the coaching on the DVDs would even work for your program. Uh, or you had just the local network of people that you personally knew. And that was kind of, that was kind of it. There were some conventions and clinics you could go to, but those are also kind of limited in, in access and, and how you can reach out to people. And so just, yeah, the social media world has, like you said, it's just, it's the number one coaching resource that that's available these days. For sure. And player resource. I tell kids all the time, man, if I had that option out there, God, I would have been a lot better player. You know, that's, you know, I, I retweet everything I see that I think a kid might like, I put it out there. And then I go ask them next day, Hey, did you, did you look at that that we were talking about yesterday about your approach to the ball? Go look at Francisco Lindor. I just retweeted it, right? You, t- you ask him to go look at Francisco Lindor, then, oh, coach actually knows what he's talking about, right? So <laughs> uh, it's been a good tool for that too. Well, you mentioned uh, – you, you talk a lot about parent buy-in, and you mentioned uh, having them be invited to team outings, which I think is a little bit different from what a lot of, you know, a lot of us think. We think, oh, we're going to go bowling, so we'll get the guys and go bowl. And the parents, you know, get left out. Um, team dinners a lot of times – you know, maybe the, some parents will host a dinner, but outside of them, there won't be anybody really around. And what else are you doing, I guess, to try to create parent buy-in? I mean, I know you mentioned getting their buy-in right away by mentioning how important grades are, which I think is a really good strategy uh, for parent buy-in, even though that's not why we do it. Uh, but what else do you see yourself doing to get to get parents not on your side, but on Davenport baseball's side? Well, I mean, I'm very fortunate because I have two parents of my players who immediately reached out and have been awesome as my liaison, right? I mean, um, I think we all have booster clubs or some form of it, but um, they kind of handle the the side of it where I've got so much else going on right now in season, but hey, here's my vision. Here's what I want to do. And then they kind of take it, ask me, hey, does this sound right? I'm like, yes, absolutely. Or, hey, here's actually what I want to do. And they immediately helped me out with it. So it's almost like having an assistant coach. You know, I, we haven't really talked about it yet, but, you know, right now I'm actually by myself completely. I, I don't have an assistant coach at the moment. So uh, having parents that kind of my liaison. And the first thing I set out was, listen, uh, if you have any questions about anything, let's go through this channel first, right? Go to him first and then come to me. So you're not dealing with 3,500 emails. Uh, a lot of times it's a simple question where he might already know the answer. Um, but again, just going back to, to having them buy in, like all this small stuff that you're doing, um, when you get parents to understand where you're coming from, I want to be an open book. I want to make sure that they understand, again, being intentional about what we're doing. Here's why we do this, right? Um, understanding baseball, understanding situations. Um, you know, another thing I did, which is, again, going back to the area, every kid plays select ball. And I think something I went up, I said the first day, when we had that meeting, it's probably different than what a lot of coaches do is I said, whoever your son select coach is, give them my phone number and have them call me because I want to make sure that whatever we are doing here is the same thing that they are doing there or that we're saying the same thing, right? Like for instance, we might be talking about sequence and I say, you know, I, I use the old, you know, LSU hips, elbows, and hands in terms of how we sequence a, a swing. And a select coach might say, hey, get the knob to the pitcher or whatever. We might be saying the exact same thing, but the kid's not hearing the same thing. He's hearing two completely different things coming out of his mouth, and then the kid has no idea what's going on. And so I think um, when I did that, the par- a lot of parents kind of like, whoa, he-, he wants to talk to the select coaches? He wants to know what's going on? Yes, why would I not want to know what my kids are going to do for the other six or seven months of the year when someone else is coaching them? I want them to come back and be a better ball player I want them to, uh, you know, when they when they finish the season here, they're continuing to work on what we've been working on with their coach uh, that's coaching in the summertime. So I think that was a huge, another huge thing that the parents kind of like, wow, okay, he has the best interest of my kid in, in mind. And and we all know this, right? It, the kid, a parent, most of the time would rather see us lose and their kid play than winning and sit the bench, which I get, right? We're, 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 I'm a parent too. I mean, it, 
I have a 14 year old daughter who plays volleyball and, and uh, I want to see her play when I come watch. Right. But if they know I have the kid's best interest at heart, in a heart, you know, and they know that I'm willing to, to work with all these people that they're going to try to help with their kids' lives. I feel like that's just another section where the parents really are going to be on your side and understand that, hey, it's not about him. It's about the kids, which is what it's supposed to be about. Well, and that ties back into what you mentioned earlier, which is that when you when a parent wants to kind of meet with you, your 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 strategies to bring the kid in, too, which I for anyone who hasn't tried that yet, I highly, highly recommend making that part of your program. I, it's it's so sometimes the parents, um, as we all are, we're on a different page than our kid is on. And they might you know, our, our, our kid might be loving his time there. He might not be playing, but he might be absolutely loving every second of it. And as a parent watching, we're going, yeah, but he's not playing. He must not be having any fun. So I, I want to talk to the coach and get this figured out. And so I think I, having the kid involved in that conversation, too, I think helps parent buy-in because you're actually probably strengthening their relationship by letting the kid kind of be part of that conversation. But you're also, like you mentioned, you're not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to be honest with both of them. And just I, just for any coach listening, like it's if you haven't tried it, I think it's a really valuable experience. Right. And you and I both know that just because I say something to Johnny doesn't mean that's what Johnny said, tells mom that I said. Uh, right? No, right? no, no. And uh, I would say probably 80% of those conversations that I've had, it's amazing how the parent goes, oh, well, that's not that's not what I was told or that's not how I interpreted it. And, uh, you know, going back to the charting, if you want to have, you know, the best thing about baseball in our game is it's very black and white when you really boil it down to it, right? You, you can yeah. put numbers on a page. And when you show the – now, of course, I black out all the names of the kids that aren't their child, right? But when you show the the parents the numbers, it's very for, easy for them to understand, oh, okay, this is what Coach is talking about. Instead of, well, I'm up in the stands and I see that, you know, Jeff over there isn't doing his job. Well, okay, you know, but here's the, here's the information and statistics to show you where we need to improve. Uh, and I think that's been huge for us, too, when we have those meetings, is having all that information that I talked about available at your disposal where they sit down and have a better understanding of what you are seeing in practice, because they're not up in the stands with you every day in practice. They're not at home watching the film break down. Right. So it allows them to, to have a better understanding, you know, going back to the, uh, the film thing, we use huddle and I tell parents all the time, any parent that wants it, here's a password. You can go in there and watch your kid too. You can go in there and be involved. So again, giving them as many resources as possible to, to give them the information to help them understand what's going on on the field. I love it. I love it. It's so it's transparent, uh, database. It's I think it's really clear. I love it. Um, you brought it up, so let's go into it. Uh, you are the sole baseball coach right now. What is going on? Right. Well, um, so again, small school, small school, right? So we're limited to staff. So going back to, I want to say we have forty teachers, maybe, and that might be too few. I don't know, but like eighty percent of us are coaches. <laughs> okay, so um, I, right now because we're small now. When we in the next two years, we're gonna add a lot more kids, so that's gonna end in more teachers. But um, I, I had one assistant baseball coach, and uh, unfortunately, you know, it didn't work out a few weeks ago, and so uh, I'm by myself right now. Now, when we come back from spring break, I'm gonna get some help um, with a guy who's got a ton of baseball experience, but he's he's a defensive coordinator, so you know, he didn't sign up for that, but he's gonna help me out the rest of the way. Um, but it's been a it's been a challenging situation. Again, going back to the kids though, they've been awesome because uh, I have a lot of kids that that are leaders, right? So I tell them before practice, hey, here's what we're looking to do, here's what I need you to help with, and I look up and they're coaching each other up, they're holding each other accountable. So uh, I think like any good program, right? Yeah, you can have twenty coaches, but if you don't have twenty kids that are going to buy in, it doesn't really matter how much you coach them, right? So um, that's been great, but it has been very. Ch- I am this is spring break for us. Uh, and I am completely exhausted. I'm not going to lie to you every day. Where, you know, like Monday I had practice with my varsity from nine to eleven. Uh, then I, I got an hour break. JB hit. We hopped on a bus, drove an hour and a half, played a doubleheader, drove an hour and a half back, rolled back the next day. Had practice with JV. Then had a doubleheader with varsity. Then Wednesday we had a game with JV and practice. With, I mean, so it's been a it's been a long long week. But uh, you know, going back to the support of the family, my wife's been great about it. And as you know, Max, you know. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. So uh, it's been great. But I will say this. Uh, I have three three young men who uh, cannot play varsity this year uh, because they transferred over uh, at semester. 
So the rule of Texas is if you do that within the district, sometimes you have to sit a year before you can play. But they're, they're varsity-level players, okay? So I have one kid that coaches first base who I'm going to tell you right now I would hire to coach first base for me right now. I have one kid that gives a defensive signs because I'm calling pitches. Then I have another kid who's helping out every infielder with understanding positioning. So although I'm by myself, it's like I have four coaches in there with me, if you know what I mean. So that's been awesome to have those kids there to help. That's awesome. Those kids are probably getting a crash course in coaching and probably wouldn't be very surprising if any of them ended up doing what you're doing eventually someday and oh, what being the a coach yeah. themselves. For sure. That's awesome. For sure. And you know, the other thing is, and we know this, if you coach it, it's amazing how much more you understand about it too, right? Yes. Like I feel like they've understood more about what we're trying to do now. So when they are able to play next year, like it's going to be, we're going to be light years ahead of where we are right now. That's so awesome. Um, I want to go back. So you mentioned uh, you uh, you had the the opportunity to coach uh, a guy who's uh, one of the best shortstops in Major League Baseball right now. And coaching is not about having kids go off and play professional sports. Uh, most of us, you, you may coach one. You may never coach a single one who does. Obviously, coaching is about relationships and so much more than that. But it is really exciting when a kid does end up making it all the way let alone becoming one of the best shortstops in the game. So you can, can you tell me a little bit about Trevor's story, what he was like in high school, and, and what it's like watching him from afar? Sure, yeah. So I, uh, I coached Trevor's story at Irving High School. Uh, I got there when he was a junior, so I was a varsity assistant there. Um, and, I, you know, my dad had told me, hey, when you have kids like this, you know, don't go and try to coach them too much. Let them come to you, uh, which I thought was a great, a great lesson, which, by the way, I would agree with 100%. Trevor was a very quiet, uh, very reserved young man. Um, the most respectful uh, kid you could ever ask for. His parents are unbelievable people. Um, his mom runs a nonprofit organization in the city. His dad's a firefighter, I think retired now. But um, you would never know Trevor's story was going to be a first-round draft pick if you just walked up to him and talked to him. Um, I've been around guys like that, right, that have that swagger where you're like, goodness gracious, this kid. You know, he thinks that, you know, he, he can walk the moon. Trevor was never that way and still isn't to this day, by the way. Um, he was just a normal kid, right? He showed up and did his work, uh, went about his business. Trevor was not the vocal kid. Uh, he did a, he did leading with his, with his plane. But what Trevor did was he showed every single kid how to work. And when you have special players like that, when you get to watch them do their job and not put pressure on themselves, when you have literally – 30 scouts at every practice, uh, it's amazing to watch, right? And what I tell the kids all the time, and I've been fortunate enough, I've had, I've had some other kids that have played, uh, played you know, semi-pro ball and, and minor league baseball and had scouts there, but it's amazing how everyone else gets to benefit from that kid being on your team, right? Because on that Irving High team, we had, I want to say, eight kids go play college ball, and they're all a result of, well, not all, but like six of them were a result from scouts being there to watch Trevor. That kid played well that day, and he called his buddy and said, hey, aren't you looking for a left fielder? Hey, I got this kid at Irving High that's pretty good, right? Um, but, Max, I'll tell you this. Here's what I'll tell you about Trevor's story. And uh, The year after he left, right, so, like, there'd be a ball hit, hit in the hole, and he made it look routine. Like, it was no big deal, right? He'd catch it and throws it, and I'm not exaggerating, he throws it 95 across the diamond on the strike, right? And the next year, that ground ball's hit, and you're walking out to be like, hey, inning's over. And not only is the ground ball not caught, not, not the outside made, the ground ball's not even caught. It's in left field, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> he was so good. He was so good. And, um, but the, the most important thing about, impressive thing about Trevor, in my opinion, his senior year, uh, everybody knew who he was. Everybody, right? I mean, you don't, even if you didn't know anything about Irving, Texas, uh, if you knew you were going to play the Irving Tigers, they had a kid who was special. And, um, Nobody pitched to Trevor, which why would you, right? Like, I'm not going to let that kid beat me. And I never felt like he got outside of what he was going to do. He was going to go up there, and if you were going to pitch to him, he was going to take his walk. Now, then he was going to steal second or third base on you because uh, a kid is a flat, can flat run like a deer. But he never did more than he, than he had to do, right? He stayed within who he was, and he was always working on the next pitch or – the next day, he never let the situation get too big or small for him. Um, just a uh, just an unbelievable kid, and 
I've had been very fortunate enough to keep in contact with him here and there. Um, he's the same kid, very humble. I he, I, I saw him at Chipotle and Irving, I don't know, two or three years ago uh, after he made his first All-Star game, and no one knows who Trevor is, and he could easily pulled up in this, you know, $100,000 car and, uh, you know, been all about himself, and he's just not that kid. He's just not that guy. Um, he's just a great human being. Uh, I will tell you one story, though, just because why not, right? So we are playing um, – I forgot who we're playing. doesn't really matter. But we're, our baseball field is about 320 down the lines, and then there's literally probably about 150 feet from the back of the baseball field to the back of the softball fence, okay, and then 200 feet to home plate of the softball field. He hit a home run that landed on home plate of the softball field, which <laughs> – was legitimately we I think we measured it one day it was like 585 feet um it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life like you talk about no doubt home runs I mean it, I've never seen anything like it it was it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen but uh and then uh, here's a here's a fun fact for you so we got eliminated from the playoffs this senior year we got beat by some guy named Noah Sindergarten how about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, two two uh, major league all stars play each other in high school. Pretty pretty unique thing as a coach to be able to see. That's crazy. Well, in uh, I actually just I didn't share this whole story because it's not really that interesting of a story. But on Twitter the other day, and I was in a some some guy had tweeted like share time that you like. Uh, if, have you ever gone to, like a professional sporting event alone? And back in 2017, we were in Denver with a bunch of teachers for like this AVID conference because I teach AVID up here. And uh-huh. uh, none of them liked baseball or anything. And the Rockies were playing. And so, of course, I'm going to go to a game. And no, but no one wanted to go. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go alone. Like, I don't care. So I, I walked like <laughs> 10 blocks or so and got to the game and uh, go into the box office. I'm like, just give me the best seat you got. <laughs> and so uh, – they weren't, they weren't very good, so the tickets weren't that expensive. So I got a seat like right behind home plate. And uh, Trevor Story, I believe, hit two home runs that day um, <laughs> at, uh, at Coors yeah. Field. And uh, just watching him and Nolan Arenado, I know Arenado's been traded now, but watching them on the left side of the infield was really special too. And just um, cool to hear that he's he's that humble. And I think it's oh, – it is weird to think about that because you you think when you saw like future major leaguer you could see the swagger and the you know you just know by the way they walk and here you are saying he's as an adult in Chipotle you wouldn't have any idea, right? Now don't get me wrong he had swagger but it wasn't overtly like out there for you to see right right so um, you know <laughs> what I mean so yeah it, it but you know the other thing I'll tell you another just total side story because we're talking about him so Troy Tulowitzki was there when Trevor got drafted. And mm-hmm. um, I thought Trevor told tells me, "Hey, uh, Troy Tulowitzki just invited me to go out and spend the off season with him to get better." And just from I'm like, "Wow, the guy whose job he's probably being groomed to take invited him out to go out and work out with him." I mean, I was like, "Wow, that is that is pretty incredible from Tulowitzki's side point too." So, anyways. Like the opposite me. of what Aaron Rodgers did when the uh, when the Packers drafted wow. Jordan Love. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's awesome. Well, Ryan, I, I I've loved talking to you, and I could, we could keep going for a long time, but uh, it is spring break. You need some rest too. I think uh, being the only coach that you've got. So uh, before I let you go, though, I wanted to give you yeah, just the microphone one last time, and if you had any parting thoughts or anything we didn't get to, or advice for for coaches old and young or or husbands or wives or whatever just hand you the mic and let you kind of finish it off here yeah so i mean i know we've talked about a little bit but if you're a baseball coach please please join abca join your local whatever state organization you have go introduce yourself don't be afraid to go up and shake hands it doesn't matter if it's the biggest college coach you've ever seen augie garrido when he was still on this earth I went up and had a 45-minute conversation with him in Indianapolis, and he treated me like a peer. The baseball community is a loving community. We all want everyone to be better. Uh, I tell people all the time, like, you know, Mike Trout's hitting coach will tell you everything you can want to know about how Mike Trout hits. That doesn't mean you're going to make Mike Trout, right? So do that. Go out there and put yourself out there. Give back to the game what's given to you. Um, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I feel like that has fulfilled my cup uh, more than maybe anything else I do is, is having a coach reach out and ask me. So 
if you have a question about something you see, don't be afraid to reach out. Do it. I guarantee you, you'll, you'll be rewarded. And if you have great ideas, don't be afraid to put them out there. Don't be afraid of somebody, you know, trolling you on Twitter because there might be one coach out there that you reach. And if that's all you reach, then it's worth it. And then most importantly, love on your kids. Uh, as a young coach, I think I, I care too much about the win column, like most coaches. But love on them. Love on them, and they will, they will pay you back, not only with wins, but they will pay you back down the road where maybe you're having a bad day and you need a text from a kid saying, hey, coach, I uh, just want to reach out and tell you, you know, really appreciate everything you did for me. Or, hey, coach, I got a wedding coming up. And it, it's amazing how quickly you forget about the bad stuff. Because ultimately, we are here for kids. We are here to make this world a better place. And if you go every day and show the kids you love them, that doesn't mean don't coach them hard. Coach them hard. But tell them you love them. And ultimately, if they see you're vulnerable, they will give back to you. Well, Ryan, it's been it's been awesome listening to how excited you are for Davenport and just like the you can just feel it just oozing off of you, even though I know you're just dead tired and just absolutely exhausted, especially being the only coach for right now. But it just like it's it really oozes out of you. And I, I really appreciate you carving out some time and coming on the show and sharing your thoughts. So just just thank you so much. Appreciate it, Max. Like I said. If you have any questions, Phil, please reach out. If you do nothing else right now, go follow Ryan and the Wolves baseball program on Twitter. Easily two of the best follows, even if you don't coach baseball. It's truly an honor to have Coach Kanan on the show. Good luck to the Wolves as they head into the latter part of their season. And thanks to Ryan for carving out some time to share with us. And thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking the play button. Once again, if you haven't joined the club, do it. It takes about 90 seconds to sign up. You'll be part of the premier national organization of high school coaches, trainers, administrators, and so much more. And you'll get the weekly newsletter in your inbox every Wednesday. You can find that link down in the show notes. Don't forget to leave a rating, maybe even a review. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.